Amen. Isn't it incredible that we get the opportunity to come and to praise God for what we just sang about? The beauty of the cross, we've been set free. I don't know about you all, but that just makes me a tad bit excited. Anybody else excited this morning? Okay, good. I am. I am excited. Uh, in case you're wondering, my name is not Dr. Boswell. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, now, wait a minute. That can be taken several ways. One of us is not here to defend ourselves. The other one doesn't know quite how to take that. So uh, you can explain that later. Dr. Boswell is home, and he is sick. Uh, he has uh, encountered that flu bug that's going around, and it has hit him with a vengeance. You know that he's sick. When he makes the phone call and says, I'm going to let you preach. <laughs> really, I thought after he made that phone call yesterday afternoon, I'd get another phone call and go, I've been healed. It's glorious. It's miraculous. Uh, you know, it also took that one phone call. But seriously, pray for our pastor. He's hurting. And uh, we need to lift him up and uh, that God would just heal and restore him. So it's my privilege to get to share with you all a little bit from God's word this morning. But before I get started, I got to get something off my chest. Um, it's kind of been sitting there for years and years and years and years. And before I can bring the word, I just need to, so would y'all just bear with me for just a second. For those that you, that may be new to the church, this is my home church. I grew up here and I've done my entire ministry career here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. And, uh, for that, I'm very grateful. But in my younger days, in ministry, I wasn't always the sweet, lovable, kind guy that I am today. And um, in those early days, I had a propensity to lean towards being a little jokester and a little prankster uh, in the office. And um, we had a pastor that was very susceptible to the power of suggestion. Um, Dr. Click sometimes could be influenced. Brother John, if you're listening this morning, I just have to say sorry for what I'm about to share, but I guess it's time that it comes out. One morning, the student pastor and I got in early, and um, we were drinking a cup of coffee, and I looked at him, and I go, dude, you want to have a little fun today? And he goes, I'm in. What are we going to do? I said, here's the deal. You know how sometimes we can convince pastor about things that aren't so, and he'll believe they are so? He goes, yeah. He started to grin. I go, here's the challenge for the day. When he comes in, we're going to convince him that he's sick and see how long it takes for him to go home. He goes, I'm all in. So pastor walked in that morning, and he stopped by my office first, and he comes in, hey, how's it going? It's a wonderful day. Oh, I feel so good. And I said, hey, sit down. Let's visit for a minute. He goes, what are you working on, son? Uh, he called me son because he couldn't ever remember my name, so I was son. <laughs> Son, what are you working on this morning? And I began to share with him. And he goes, oh, that sounds great. That sounds really good. And I go, Pastor, can I ask you a question? Son, sure, anything, anything. Everything okay? Yeah, why? Oh, no reason, man. Well, you, you look like you don't feel good. You just, but hey, maybe it's just me. But you're sure you're okay? Yes, yes. He got up, went to the student pastor's office. Same story. About an hour and a half later, we hear his door shut. And he walks out to the main office. He goes, 
Roseanne, I got to go home. I'm sick. We didn't see him for three days. <laughs> I, I apologize. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. I feel better now. This morning, we want to continue to look at the power of one. And I want us to think about this. The world is crying and begging to see authentic Christianity. Believe it or not, the world is looking to be influenced. And we are in a battle today that has been going on for centuries. But the world is looking for those of us who claim to be Christ followers who will stand up to the plate and say we will be the power of one and we will go out and we will have influence. We've been in a study in Ephesians chapter 4 for the last several weeks, and we've been talking about the power of one. Paul was writing this incredible book to the church of Ephesus, and as Pastor explained when we first started, this church was actually doing pretty good. There wasn't a lot of stuff going on. There weren't any issues, any problems, but this was just a church that Paul loved, and he wanted to encourage them. So in the first three chapters that we have there, he has just laid out some incredible doctrinal truths. He's been laying that out, and he's been sharing that truth with these people. And in chapter 4, he goes, okay, now that you have been reminded of that truth, I want to tell you how to walk. I want to tell you how to live this life out. And in those first opening verses, he says, I beg you as a person of the Lord, I beg you, I beseech you, I urge you, I compel you to walk worthy of the vocation that you've been called. And then he goes into the power of one. And he talks about the church being unified and brought together under one God, one hope, one baptism, one faith. And we've been doing those doctrinal studies. And I don't know about you all, but it's been an extreme encouragement to me to go back and remember that we have one God, one word, one hope, one baptism that unites us all together. We are to be one to accomplish what God's called us to do. But before corporately, we can have the power of one and be unified, God has to do a work within each and every one of us. You see, our influence corporately is never going to be stronger than the influence of us as individuals. As we come under that teaching and as we begin to understand, as we begin to apply God's word to our life and he begins to bring that change about to us, guess what's going to happen? It's going to flow out, and we are going to be unified and be able to have a power of one as we go out to influence our city, our state, our country, and our world. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you grab them, and would you join me in Ephesians chapter 4? And we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 24 this morning as we continue the study of the power of one. We're going to look at this morning at what I just want us to think about for a minute for just a minute, a power of one, the influence of an individual life. If you found that, would you just stand and let's uh, honor God by the standing as we read his word together. God's holy word says this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of their heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. 
Assuming that you've heard him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning and in our heart's cry is that our worship has really been pleasing to you. God, as we reflect that without the cross, we have no hope. But in that cross and in the saving work of Jesus, you've changed us and you've made us brand new. God, while you call us together corporately to have unity and be brought together and bound together as one, you also understand that each of us as individual members of your body, have influence. God, I pray that as we study your word today that you would speak to our hearts. God, open our minds and our hearts to hear your living word this morning. And as we hear it, God, give us the strength and the power to be obedient to whatever you ask us to do. Father, corporately this morning, we pray for our pastor, Dr. Boswell. God, I pray that right now that you would just touch his body that you would bring a healing and restoration to that. God, strengthen him today. Renew him and just bring him back to us. Lord, we dedicate this time to you. We ask that you use the Holy Spirit, have freedom to move. Use the word. Teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Paul is writing this church letter to the church at Ephesus, and, and as he's been sharing, he, he comes to this point, and for those of you who don't know me, I, I think in word pictures a lot as, as I read. I, I begin to have these images in my mind of what was going on. And as I was studying and, and reviewing the scripture uh, uh, yesterday and this morning, I, I just got this picture. There was this church, this group of people, and they were gathered together. The word had come. Paul has written us a letter. And they gathered together and they were listening. And as they were reading it, they were going, oh, that's good. That's good. And as they went through that doctrinal truth, they were going, yes, we needed to hear that. And then as we got into this portion where he says, now I want you to walk worthy of that vocation that you've been called. They're going, yes, we need to do that. We need to be unified. And as we get to this part, I could just see him sitting there and hearing as he said, now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. I want you to think about something with me. Before we can have a power of influence, we have to lay aside our former life. These people at the church of Ephesus, guess who they were? Paul's getting ready to say, I don't want you to walk in the way the Gentiles walk. Anybody want to guess? They were Gentiles. They were saved Gentiles. And can you imagine they were sitting there going, yeah, this is good, this is good. Don't walk in the way the Gentiles walk. Wait a minute, that's me. What he's writing to, though, and what he's sharing with them and he shares with us today is don't walk the way you used to. If we're going to have a life of influence, if God is going to empower us to make a difference in the world that we live in, we've got to remember we're not who we used to be. Notice what Paul says about some of the characteristics of these people. He says, 
don't walk the way they used to, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. Here's the picture that Paul's painting. They have come so accustomed to who they were and what they were doing. In their minds, they convinced themselves that they were okay. It's like they walked up to the mirror and they looked into the mirror and they go, I like what I see. I see what I like. I really like what I see. And I'm convinced that this is okay. This is good. In the futility of their own thinking. Have you ever stopped to think that sometimes we can convince ourselves that we're something we're not? Sometimes we might be able to say, you know what? I'm not all that bad. You know, after all, let me compare to everybody else around me. Let me compare to everything else I see. And in comparison to that, I'm not that bad. Paul says, don't walk the way that these people used to walk in the futility of their mind. Don't allow yourselves to be convinced that you're something that you're not. We're going to talk in a little bit about the change that God brings to us. Because you see, as we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. All things have become new. Paul's warning of don't be like this. Don't have that futility of your mind. He goes on to say, these people are darkened in their understanding. I don't know if any of you all were out driving uh, Tuesday afternoon or maybe even last night uh, as the, the storm kind of rolled in Tuesday. Uh, I was on my way home and driving home. And as those clouds began to settle in and as the, the storm and the snow began to come, it was like just I was engulfed. I really couldn't see that far in front of me, and I couldn't see everything around me. And, and, and frankly, it was a little scary. What Paul is saying here is that these people, and much of the world that we live in today, their minds have been darkened. They've been clouded. The falsehood, the false teaching of the world, the world saying, here's the way to peace. Here's the way to success. Here's the way that you do it. Just go this way, and everything will be okay that they were darkened in their mindset. As we study scripture and as we look at what God's word has to say, we understand that it is totally radically different than what the world says. Wouldn't you agree with that? What God tells us to do and what the world tells us to do are two separate things. And he's saying these people have been clouded in their thinking. And because they've been clouded, notice what else he says, they are alienated from the life of God. How comforting is it to think that this morning you're alienated from God? That you are separated from him. That you can't get to him, that you can't reach him. Do we find comfort in that this morning? Frankly, it ought to scare us, shouldn't it? But does it scare the world? No, why? Because they've been clouded and they are beginning to believe that it's okay and that they're on a right path and everything's good and it's going to be okay. They've been influenced by lies. Not only have they been alienated from the life of God, but notice what he says here. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. I do not suggest this as a good opening line if you want to go share your faith Friends, family, 
You've been alienated from God because you're ignorant. Is that going to win you a lot of friends and influence those that don't know Jesus? Hey, guess what? You can have a relationship with God if you weren't so ignorant. Not a good opening line. What Paul is saying here is that this alienation has come because of their lack of understanding. You know, before we come to that relationship with God, before we come to an understanding that God loves me just the way that I am, we're ignorant. You see, the devil wants to tell you this. God cannot and will not love you because of who you are. God won't love you because of what you've done. God won't care for you because you've done this. The world wants to lie to us, doesn't it? And it wants us to be ignorant of what God really says. What does John 3.16 tell us? For God, that he, so that, shall not, but, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The world doesn't want us to hear that. The world wants us to believe that we're wrapped up, that we're messed up, and nothing, nothing, nothing can help us. Oh, they might try to sell you a book. They might encourage you to go to a class and try to help yourself, but do we believe that that's the answer? Is there any help there? Where does our help come from? From God and God alone. Paul says, don't walk the way you used to walk. Don't walk in that futility of thinking. Don't be alienated from the life of God because of your ignorance. Because here's what's going to happen if you do that. Notice what he says. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. What Paul is painting a picture of here is this callousness. It's a building upon building upon building. It's like building a wall that we try to build to keep it, God from penetrating us. As we begin to be exposed to the truth of God and as we begin to reject that, we lay that first foundation and go, no, I'm not ready to hear that. I really don't believe that. We keep building on that and as we continue to be exposed to it and we keep rejecting it and walking away from it, we just build this wall of callousness which ultimately will lead to a hardness of the heart. Paul uses a word here that has a medical background. When he talks about this callousness, he's talking about a calcification. One commentary that I was reading said this, when you go out and you break a bone and it's reset and it heals, there's a calcification that takes place and at that point of calcification, that bone becomes stronger even than the original because of that process. What Paul is saying is as you go through life, as you walk away from God, as you choose not to listen to what he has to say, as you continue to walk in that old lifestyle, you're hardening yourself against that. You're saying, I don't want to receive that. I want to reject that. And the more you reject it, your heart becomes hard. It gets to the point that that word doesn't penetrate. 
If you're sitting here this morning and you go, oh man, I hope I haven't got to that point. Here's the good news. You haven't got to that point. If you're here this morning and you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, more than anything else you hear this morning, I want you to hear this. God loves you. God loves you. That's why he sent Jesus to that cross. Scott and I were talking about that this morning back there as we were getting ready for baptism. I go, Scott, do you understand that even if you'd been the only guy in the whole world, Jesus would have still died for you? That's how much he loves you. If you're sitting here this morning or if you're watching via the internet, the good news is, is God loves you and there's hope for you. And in a little bit, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. We're going to give you an opportunity to say, I don't want to become callous to that. I want to be received. I want to be loved. I want God to make me a brand new person. As long as you're alive and as long as you're breathing, there's hope. God's Spirit is speaking to you this morning. To some of you who've come in this morning, you, you said, you know, I really didn't know why I came in this morning. I don't know why I come because... I messed up. I wish y'all could have heard Scott's testimony last week. Brother, I'm going to share a little bit if you don't mind. Thank you. He goes, I've been doing life my own way. And it's messed up. But my friend Charlie was telling me about a different life. And he's been showing me what God's about. And he invited me to come. He said, as he sat here last Sunday, and as the word of God went out, and it was spoken... He said it was like something grabbed a hold of him and said, this is for you. And when the invitation time came, he said it was like something or someone grabbed him and says, you've got to respond. As long as you're alive, as long as you have breath, God says there's time. He gives that invitation for you to receive that incredible gift of eternal life. And he doesn't say clean up your life before you come. He says, come just as you are and let me do the rest. Come, I'll make you brand new. If we're going to have a life of influence, friends, we've got to come to the point where we lay aside that past. I think many of us as Christ followers forget about that. We get nervous and we want to make sure that we have that eternal life thing worked out. But you see, salvation is so much more than just receiving eternal life. It's about a life change. It's about a transformation. It's about becoming a life of influence. Christ follower this morning, what's holding you back from being an influence? What's thwarting your life from having that power of influence that God has called you to have? The world's looking for it. The world wants it. What's standing in your way? Paul goes on to say, not only if we're going to have a life of influence, but we lay aside the past, but secondly, we've got to look to what we've learned. Notice what he says in verse 20 and 21. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Paul's going, this lifestyle these things that I've just talked about, this isn't what you know based on what Jesus taught. And I could imagine some of them were sitting there going, whoa, 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 time out. We've not seen Jesus. We've not 
heard him teach. Paul's saying here, not only is it about Jesus teaching, but what you've heard from others. Folks, it's important that we know, that we know, that we know. We need to know answers to what we believe and why we believe. That's why I'm so excited to be a part of a congregation that has an incredible organization called Life Groups. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but this morning, I would dare say that there are probably many of you who are sitting in the auditorium this morning that circumvented and didn't go to a life group. How are you going to learn how you're supposed to walk and what this new life is about if you don't go someplace and get exposed to some teaching? We've got an incredible thing going on on Sunday night called Discipleship University, and we've got some incredible classes going on. We've got a theology class. We've got an Experiencing God class of many things where you can learn more what it means to walk as a follower of Christ. But even beyond that, let's get real honest this morning, okay? How many of us went all last week and never once opened God's word at home by ourselves? How many of us just went skipping through last week, dealing with Snowmageddon or whatever they named it this go-round, and being more concerned about the weather than about our relationship with Jesus Christ? You want to know why we have a hard time being influential in the world? We've not spent any time learning what kind of influence we're supposed to be. But once we've learned it, a lot of us, a lot of us don't apply it. How are we going to impact the world? I was talking to one of our volunteers this week, sweet, sweet lady. And we were uh, visiting, and uh, it was just a quiet moment. And, and uh, she had her Discipleship University book out. She's uh, taken the theology class, and she was going through that. And, I mean, she was highlighting it. And she goes, Pastor Gail, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. She goes, I'm never going to be able to really share my faith very good. I go, okay. Why is that? I don't know anything. I haven't learned all the answers. I, I, there's so much I've got yet to learn. I just looked at her and smiled. And I said, guess what? We're in the same boat. I've still got a ton of stuff that I need to learn. Folks, as Christ followers, we never get to the point where we don't need to learn something else. I remember talking to a minister of education and his church had been hounding him to start some new discipleship classes and he goes you know I'd really like to but he goes here's what I feel here's what I've shared with him I'll tell you what I'll start some new classes as soon as you apply everything that you already know you see we we oftentimes get hungry for the knowledge and trust me we got to know we've got to learn We've got to be able to articulate why we believe what we believe. But it goes beyond that. And as we were talking, I said, here's the deal. 
You don't have to know all the answers. Even if you knew all the answers, you might be able to win a debate, but that isn't going to be the final thing that helps them to decide whether they want to be a Christ follower or not. The ultimate thing that will bring them to a relationship with Jesus is your story. When you can be able to say, I don't know all the answers, but this thing I know, I'm changed. I'm not the person that I used to be. I am different, and it's not anything that I've done, but it's God's work inside of me, and he's doing an incredible work inside of me. She just starts smiling, and she goes, you want to know something? I go, what? I'm changed. I'm changed. And, you know, I just thought, oh, isn't that sweet? She goes, no, really, I'm changed. If you knew me before I received Jesus, you oh. And she began to tell me a little bit about her past, and I went, I would have never thought that about you, but you're changed. We need to look at what we've learned. We need, to, we need to be in God's word. We need to be studying it. We need to know the truth. But folks, then we need to be able to say, here's what I've learned. I'm changed. I'm changed, and God's doing an incredible work in my life. And if he does an incredible work in my life, he can do an incredible work in your life as well. Comes to the third thing that Paul shares with him. He says, not only am I encouraging you to leave that past, walk away from that, to look and remember what you've learned, but here's where the rubber hits the road. I need to live my new life. Notice what he says. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The world is screaming for authenticity. The world says today, show me that it's real. Show me that it's true. I don't care what you've learned. I don't care what you have in your head. I want to know, does it work? Why don't we have more people flooding the aisles on any given Sunday in our church and in churches across this country? Why is it that we don't see revival breaking out? Because we as Christ's followers have failed to set aside the old life. Look to what we've learned and then apply it. Notice what Paul says to this great church. He says, put off your old self. Paul in his writing used the metaphors a lot about taking off and putting on. And again, that's what he's doing. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to totally disrobe your old life. He's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take it off. And not only do I want you to take it off, I want you to get rid of it. You know what most of us as Christ followers do? Maybe at that one moment when we come and we go, wow, I've heard the good news and, and, and I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then we go, yeah, I want to get rid of that old life and we take it off. You know what we spend the rest of our life doing? That, that, that's my old life. I'm pretty comfortable with that. 
when Cheryl and I were first married, uh, I brought into the marriage a pair of incredibly well-used coveralls. They were my favorite coveralls. Because when I put on these coveralls, it meant that I was free to get dirty. That I was free to go out and do manly stuff. And they just fit right. And they just felt good. And, you know, I said, whatever you do, leave my coveralls alone. They're comfortable. Being the loving wife that she is, sorry to say was, is, sorry. Oops. I'll pay for that one later. Anyway, being the loving wife that she is, she lovingly cared for those coveralls and she put patches upon patches and she did her best to make them look okay. And one day I came home and there were some things that needed to get done and I'm going, oh, I get to put on my coveralls. Yes, and I get to go get dirty and we're going to, oh, this is good. And I went to where they were supposed to be hanging and I walked in and went, They're not there. So I went out and I go, Cheryl, my coveralls, where are they? I put them in the wash. Oh, okay. Thank you. So that means they're in the dryer and I can go get them and I can go get dirty. No, when I put them in the wash, they disintegrated. They are now rags. You will never see them again. They're done. As Christ followers, we enter into that new life. And Paul admonished his readers and he admonishes us today, take off that old life. But you know what most of us do? We keep running back. We go, but it's comfortable. I'm comfortable with this. You see, and this is my hurts, my hangups, and some of my habits. And and, and I, I know God's changing me, but... I'm comfortable. If we're going to influence the world, if we're going to be contagious, folks, we got to start living it. And the first step is we got to get rid of that old life. Paul says, put it off. I don't know about you, but as I was studying through that, God said, You're going to really teach that in the morning? I go, It's in your word. He goes, good, let's talk. What about this? You're right, Father. I need to lay that aside. Thank you. Now, what about this? You're right, Father. I need to lay it aside. See, my life's not going to have influence. And God isn't going to be able to use me to change the world until I get rid of that old life. You want to know something? I got new coveralls. I don't miss the old ones. I'm glad they're gone. I'm glad I got something new. Now I'm afraid to wear them because I don't want to get them dirty. (laughs) We got to put off that former self. Notice what he says, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt. Why would we want to hang on to something that's corrupt? 
Why would we want to go back to something that was keeping us and holding us back from being all that God had called us to be? We need to get rid of it. Notice what he says. He says, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. Here's the incredible truth. God says, when you get rid of that old self, I'm going to give you a brand new you. You get a brand new life. I'm going to change you. I don't know about you, but getting something new is kind of neat, isn't it? Anybody like to get new stuff? I do. My wife blessed me with a new gift at Christmas, and I'm just loving it. And because she gave me that new gift at Christmas, you know what I've done? I've gone out and bought some more new stuff to go with my new gift, and I'm just loving my new stuff. Why don't we get excited about the new life that God's given us? Why don't we go, this is incredible, I'm changed. You see what kind of new life he gives us? Put on the new self created after the likeness of God. When God saves me and he changes me and he gives me a new life, guess what kind of new life he gives me? He gives me a new life patterned after him. This new life is cut out, designed by him to make me look like him. I don't know about you all, but that's incredible news this morning. God loved me so much, not only did he save me, but he's given me a brand new life that he's going to work inside of me to change me, to make me look more like him. What would happen if we all grabbed a hold of that truth and we started living today and tomorrow and every day from then on in the power of this new life? No, but Pastor Gail, I can't live it. Exactly. Exactly. That's the incredible thing that God says. I don't expect you to do it. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit inside of you, which will empower you to do it. Not only does he give us the new life, but he gives us the power to live it. Good news? Then why do we act like we have no influence in the world? Why do we huddle up and go, hoo, 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 everything's so bad? You want to know why? We're not living in the new life. We're not living in the likeness of God. We're not living as righteous and holy people. You want to see the world turned upside down? Let's go out and start living like righteous and holy people. I'll be honest, over the last several months and several years, God's convicted me in the area of some of the things that I used to watch on TV. Things that I thought, you know, that's kind of funny. That's kind of, yeah, no. That's not in the likeness of God. There are things that I won't allow myself to do because I know that's not in the likeness in God. And if God is inside of me and he's residing inside of me, why do I want to act contrary to what's inside of me? Why do I want to be something that I'm not? 
Why don't I want to become what I am, the follower of Christ? The world's crying and looking for influence. As we've gathered here today, corporately, if we grabbed a hold of the truth that Paul shared with that church and shares with us today, we could change the world. And I'm sure this morning, as you're sitting there, you're going, but you don't know who I am. You see, I'm just a little old me. I don't have that much to bring, really. Dwight L. Moody was a poorly educated, unordained shoe salesman who felt that God had called him to preach the gospel. Early one morning, he and some friends gathered for prayer, confession, and consecration. As they gathered, one of the men said, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. But he was extremely moved by those words. Later in his life, he had the opportunity to sit under the teaching of the great Charles Adley Spurgeon. I'm sure as Moody said in that service, maybe up in the balcony, and as he heard Dr. Spurgeon begin to preach and, and teach, and we know that he was a great orator of the word. I wonder if the devil did start saying, hey, Moody, you're no good. You're just a shoe salesman. Hey, Dwight, you're uneducated. Dwight, you can't do anything. You're of no value. You're not like this man. You're just this little guy. But he said as he sat there and as he began to compliment and listen to what he was hearing, he was reminded the world is yet to see what God can do with and in and through and for a man who's fully consecrated. But God, I'm just, the world has yet to see what I can do in and through a man who will consecrate. But, but then it hit him. That wasn't Charles Hadley Spurgeon standing on that platform speaking. That was God empowering and working through and using a man to accomplish great things. God is calling us to greater things. And in the days ahead, we're going to hear more about some greater things that we believe that God's calling us to do. But we corporately cannot accomplish the greater things until individually we stand up and say, I'm that one. God, here I am. In and of myself, I know I can't do a thing. But I know this, the world has yet to see what you can and long to do through one person 
who will consecrate themselves to you. So what are we going to do with this truth this morning? Maybe you came in this morning and you go, you know what? I just came in just to hang out. I, I really don't know why I came in, but you don't know about my life. Can God really love me? Yes. If you're here this morning and you've never come to the grips with the fact that God loves you and draws you and invites you into a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, this morning we want to extend that invitation on his behalf. The good news is, is that Jesus came and he went to the cross and he paid the penalty for my sin and your sin and for everyone's sin in all the world so that through him, we can have a right standing with God. If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and your Lord, would you do that today? Would you respond to what he's doing? You see, right now the Holy Spirit is speaking through the power of his word. The Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to come. I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to receive this incredible gift. Will you respond to him this morning? Some of our men are going to be here. We'd love to share with you how you can know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. A Christ follower. What kind of influence do you have this morning? As the world encounters you, what are they seeing? You know, over the last several weeks, God's been doing some incredible things in our midst. We've seen people come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. We've seen people standing up and saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to take that step. I feel God's calling me and asking me to be that person that he wants to use. And, and I'm going to commit my life to full-time vocational service. We've seen families who've said, you know what? We sense that God's calling us to be missionaries right here. And we're going to respond to that. Christ Father, what's keeping you back from being the influence of one? God invites you today. Step out. Turn it over to Him. Get a fresh start. Become influential. Let the world see what God can do in and with and through and for you as you dedicate yourself to Him. Let's pray.
We get to begin our service this morning. You be seated. We're going to begin our service this morning with the ordinance of baptism. We have a young man coming this morning to give his testimony that he's received Jesus Christ as his Savior and his Lord and uh, wants to be marked as Christ's follower. This is Scott. Scott came last Sunday because of the invitation of a dear friend who's uh, actually up here with us this morning, Charlie. Charlie's been coming and uh, has been serving here at Emmanuel and, and uh, just reached out to Scott and invited him to come. And long story short, last week at the invitation time, Scott said, I know. I need to respond to that. And so this morning, he comes to let you know that he's received Jesus Christ as his Savior and his Lord, and he wants to be marked as a follower of Jesus Christ. Scott, is that your testimony this morning? Yes, sir. Because of that decision, it's my privilege to get to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're buried with Christ in baptism and we're raised to walk in newness of life.